We now welcome on a very, very, very special guest. He is covering the NBA draft for ESPN, which airs next Wednesday, November 18th on that same network. If you're an NBA fan, listen up to one of the most knowledgeable sources about every single prospect. He is Mr. Kevin Pelton. Kevin, how are you? Thanks for doing this. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So we are, are doing this live from the Marquette Radio Studios. We, we have to start with the beloved Marcus Howard, and you've hinted at being a fan of his game, but how do you think he ranks in this draft class? There's There's been a lot of Marquette optimism that he will indeed get drafted. Is that hype justified in your mind? I think it's reasonable. I mean, once you get into the second round, it's really difficult to project which players are going to get drafted because a lot of the times that ends up being more about who's willing to sign a two-way contract or, or go play in the G League uh, while the team retains their rights as opposed to necessarily, hey, who's the very best prospect? So I think back to uh, a few years ago, I had Fred Van Vliet rated as, I think he might have been a top 10 prospect on my board. He was number one in the stats-only version of the, uh, the projections. And then he goes undrafted on draft night. And it's not because his teams didn't think he was one of the 60 best players out there. It was because he was unwilling to make that kind of agreement, uh, ended up signing with Toronto as an undrafted free agent, and the rest is kind of history in terms of what happened with him there. So, right. you know, I think there's a pretty good chance that Howard is going to be in a similar situation where if he's willing to take a two-way contract, if he's willing to play in the G League this year, then he's got a chance to, to be drafted. Otherwise, it's a little different environment because you don't have the opportunity to prove yourself in summer league this year or anything. It's going to be directly to training camp. But, you know, if you were more interested in perhaps playing overseas, then there's a situation where you might not get drafted. Marquette fans have seen Howard and many others, as you mentioned, training and marketing themselves for the draft, obviously in, in a different way this year due to the coronavirus. How is this pandemic offending, affecting you know, how scouts have been able to look at prospects through your eyes? It's definitely very different. I mean, you know, it started in March when you had the cancellation of many of the conference tournaments. Some of them, you know, got through one day as, as the Big East, I think, did. I guess they, they got through the morning of the second day. They were the one final, That's final right. conference still playing. It was bizarre watching that the night after, the morning after the Rudy Gobert uh, news. Uh, then we haven't had – what's been interesting is teams haven't had a lot to do for the last eight months, you know, especially the teams that weren't part of the bubble and part of the restart of the season. So they've had an extended period here to review a lot of film, involve the coaching staff in ways that aren't normally, you know, that we don't normally see. But we haven't had the typical workouts. We haven't had the, the combine. It was a virtual combine this year. Teams were allowed to work out some prospects and either bring them in or, or go visit them but uh, and then conduct interviews over Zoom, but it's definitely a different thing. And I, I do think it may help someone like Marcus Howard for a couple of reasons. First off, you know, a four-year guy, you've got a lot of film on Marcus Howard. You, the fact that you didn't see him play in the NCAA tournament or the, the, the Big East tournament, you know, as compared to some of these guys, uh, you know, some of these freshmen, it was going to be an important scouting opportunity, not so much for him. And then the other thing is, if you have coaching staffs and Involved, I think uh, a more experienced player like him may benefit from that because they're thinking about who can help us right now as opposed to who can help us two, two or three years down the road. Kevin Pelton, ESPN, ESPN NBA writer. I mentioned being in Wisconsin. Our neighbors to the west in Minnesota hold the number one pick. For a while, the Timberwolves have been linked to LaMelo Ball, the, the third uber-famous Ball brother in the family. Uh, does Minnesota go with him at number one, and how do you view LaMelo's game? You know, it seems like the reporting from my uh, colleague Jonathan Gavoni indicates that it looks like it's going to be a ball at number one in all likelihood, whether that's Minnesota 
or whether they attempt to trade down with someone else who is uh, you know, excited to move up and go get him. I, I think he is the number one prospect in this year's draft. You know, There's a, a pretty broad consensus among both scouts and then the statistical projections, including the one that I run, has him as the best prospect based on you know the, the handful of games or the couple of handfuls of games that he did play last season in Australia in the NBL. So you know, I, I don't think that there's a sure thing in this year's draft. I'm not sure there, there are very many sure things in any draft. Drafts, but you know, given the uh, the other flaws in the prospects, I, I think Ball is the number one guy. Follow up on the mellow. We got this as a listener submission from our man Tom Foster, our native Buffalo resident. Is Lamelo's lack of weight for his height, his overall frame, is that a major concern that NBA teams see in him? I think it's a concern. I don't think it's a major concern, especially with someone so young, because you do expect players to fill out a bit over time. I mean, you know, I think it also depends kind of what role you're projecting him into. As a point guard, that's probably not that much of a weakness. If it's Minnesota and you're thinking eventually, well, we're going to play him and D'Angelo Russell together in the backcourt, then it's something you're a bit more concerned about because he's probably going to have to defend the bigger guards in those in those combinations. Kevin Pelton, again, from ESPN. NBA draft writer coming up on November 18th, next Wednesday. Oddly enough, another Midwest neighbor of ours, the Chicago Bulls, sit high atop the list at number four. Shout out to my man Sam down in Oswego IL. He asks, would the Bulls still have interest in a point guard at number four despite drafting Kobe White last year? My sense is they probably would. I mean, I, whether Kobe White is a full-time point guard remains to be seen. Uh, particularly, you look at Tyrese Halliburton, someone else with uh, Wisconsin roots in this year's draft. Uh, you know, I think he's the kind of player who could handle the ball, provide some of that playmaking that Kobe White isn't necessarily a natural at, but has the size to defend some twos and threes uh, along the same lines as Lamelo Ball. So that's a combination that could work for Chicago. Let's talk about James Wiseman. You've got him pegged at the number two pick drafted by the Warriors. After only playing three games at Memphis this past season, will James Wiseman be a step behind in some scouts' minds, and will it ultimately affect his NBA playing career, do you think? I don't think it's a huge factor. I mean, we've seen increasingly, you know, players that might not even play at all uh, the the year before they go into the draft. So, you know, we saw that with Mitchell Robinson was kind of the the first player to do that after, you know, some some issues where he was going to go play college basketball and, you know, he he slipped to the second round but was really productive right away as a rookie. Seems to be well on track for the Knicks to be a contributor. We saw this last year with both Darius Baisley and Jalen Lequeux. Baisley is a uh, in intern for a shoe company technically during instead of uh, you know his, what would have been his freshman year of college <laughs> basketball he goes in the first round and and actually I think was a success story had uh, really some good moments for the Thunder particularly in the in the restart into the playoffs as a contributor so you know I, I think that increasingly that that year of experience is probably less important than it used to be uh, I think you'd feel better if you had uh, if scouts had gotten more of a chance to watch him this year because of everything I mentioned earlier about the draft process being different but you know, there were a number of scouts that uh, I happened, fortunately, to catch one of the, the three games that Wiseman did play against Oregon in Portland in a, in a showcase tournament. And there were a number of NBA scouts and executives there who did get a chance to see him at that. All right. We've got a couple rapid fire questions left for you, Mr. Kevin Pelton. Three related to sports, three not. Are you ready? All right. Let's go for it. Number one, most NBA fans know three top names of the draft, Lamelo, Wiseman, and Anthony Edwards out of Georgia. Give three other quick names that fans should look out for as, as potential sleepers, guys not getting enough limelight. 
Uh, I'm pretty high in Devin Vassell from Florida State, who's a three and D wing, kind of in the Danny Green mold. You know, probably going to go in the second half of the lottery. Uh, perhaps your listeners are more familiar with Xavier Tillman in Big Ten country, but he, he's someone I'm really excited about as a sleeper. You know, he rated last year by the uh, SportsReference.com uh, box plus minus metric as valuable or is productive on a permanent basis as anyone in the country, including Obi, Obi Toppin, who was kind of the consensus player of the year. So, you know, and, and he's probably looking at somewhere in the 20s or 30s. And, uh, I, you know, I might go with his uh, Michigan State teammate, Cassius Winston, as well, who I think projects to be a really solid backup point guard in the league. And uh, the latest mock draft that Jonathan Goni and Mike Schmitz, our draft experts, did uh, had him, I think, in the 30s all the way into the second round. Number two, I'm I'm personally a huge Boston Celtics fan, a, a potential candidate for the Celtics to draft at number 14. I think Sadiq Bey is someone that would make a lot of sense for them if they stay at 14. They have obviously shown a fondness for wings who can, you know, play both ends, switchable, that sort of thing in the past. Uh, he fits that, you know, really strong for his size, good shooter, so a, a consummate role player in the NBA and somebody who's been well coached at Villanova. Definitely a lot of exposure to that guy in the Big East. Uh, same question. How about the Milwaukee Bucks, a team who just had the second consecutive disappointing playoff exit? Do, do you see anyone fit for Milwaukee? It gets harder to uh, peg any individual you get that far back in the draft, but I, I would say that someone to watch in that range that uh, would make sense for a lot of contending teams like Milwaukee is Desmond Maiden from D- TCU, another 3 and D type, one of the better shooters in the draft, 40% plus from three, uh, also very strong for his size, so a similar profile, but you know maybe not quite as much upside. He's a couple years older. All right, let's have a little fun with these last three. You are a self-proclaimed pocket square enthusiast. What what made you so attached? Uh, this is actually a, a really old inside joke to uh, a rant by Reggie Miller about one of my projections many years ago on a TNT preseason broadcast where he uh, complained about the, the lab geeks with their pocket squares when he was meaning pocket protectors. <laughs> I love that. You are the host of the fabulous Pelton Cast podcast, Sports, Food, Beer, and More. Tell the audience a little bit about what you do there. Maybe there's some parallels to Games and Grub. <laughs> uh, that's, that sounds like it off the top. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a Seattle-centric podcast that I do with my brother since I don't you know, get a chance in my professional life to uh, indulge my Seattle sports fandom and then uh, also talking about local food. And, and we have, you know, as I'm sure you do in, in Wisconsin, a uh, strong microbrew culture. So, uh, you know, that's a, that's a big part of it too here in Seattle. Perfect. And along those same lines, last one, how would you grade Milwaukee in terms of NBA cities and that landscape? You know, food, beer, overall sports town atmosphere. I, I feel like I have to give an incomplete at this point. I've, I've only been to Milwaukee once. Uh, it was last year during Game 1 of the Eastern Conference Finals, but okay. I, was, I was staying in Chicago for the Combine that week and just managed to fit it into my schedule that I could fly into O'Hare, and you know that's a little bit north, so drive up to uh, Milwaukee for that night's game and then drive immediately back down. So all I actually saw was the arena, and the arena is awesome, and it seems like Milwaukee it would be a great place to visit. So... You know, hopefully there's an NBA Finals appearance at some point and we're actually able to travel and, uh, you know, then I can get a longer look and really give Milwaukee a full evaluation because I know it deserves it. 
<laughs> Sounds good to me. Kevin, this has been awesome. Follow him on Twitter at kpelton, P-E-L-T-O-N, for more, especially leading up to the aforementioned NBA draft next week. Kevin Pelton, thanks so much for coming on. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me.